The national sales event is on at your Toyota dealer, making now the perfect time to get a great deal on a dependable new Toyota truck, like a rugged half-ton Tundra. Workhorse by nature, powerhouse by design, the Tundra combines raw capability with premium comfort and advanced tech to fuel your wildest adventures. And with the available iForce Max Hybrid powertrain, you can take electrifying horsepower farther than ever before. Or check out the fully redesigned Tacoma, delivering trail-dominating power and captivating style. The new Tacoma was born to make your off-roading dreams come true. And with new available tech, this legendary truck is getting even better. And when you buy a Toyota truck, you buy Toyota dependability, meaning your truck will hold its value long into the future. So visit your local Toyota dealer and check out amazing national sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, let's go places. Let Tend Dental make your dream smile a reality. We offer a variety of top-rated treatments, including Invisalign aligners. And for a limited time, Tend is offering $750 off orthodontic treatments. Offer valid through January 31st, so don't wait. Visit hellotend.com slash sale. That's hellotend.com slash sale. And book your free consult today. Welcome to the Jill on Money Show. It's Thursday, March 2nd, and we are here answering your financial questions. If you have one, all you need to do is go to our website, jillonmoney.com, click the Contact Us button, complete the form, and of course, let us know if you would be willing to come on the air. If you're shy, that's fine, but give us a lot of detail when you send us the note. And if you're really planning to come on the air with us, you don't have to put quite as much. So, uh, you know, let us know. And we'd love to have you. While you are on the website, there's a bunch of stuff going on. Number one, you should sign up for the free weekly newsletter because it's great. Number two, you should buy my book. Oh, Mark, someone just sent me a cool photo. Uh, Remember the guy who was like the sound guy who listens to the show and he interviewed me for, he's like um, like a musician sound guy. Yeah, Brian S. He sent me a um, he sent me a picture from the Seattle airport with the book. He's like, "Hey, look at that!" So it's in all the airports, but now it could be in your hands. You can buy the book, "The Great Money Reset." You can do it directly from our website or wherever you buy books. Also, Mark, how's the subscription service going? We've just launched Jill on Money Live. This is a subscription service, so you're gonna have to fork over a few bucks. for the year or $10 per session, and you will be able to access quarterly live webinars. And we are going to be rolling out more special content just for you. So for $35 for a whole year, you get to join us for four webinars. And the first one is coming up at the end of this month, March 30th with Ed Slot. So Mark, How's the subscription service doing? Uh, we need a few thousand more. Just a few thousand more. Okay, so let's get that. We need a few thousand more to get to our goal. So uh, let's rock and roll. So join us. And uh, we know it's a leap of faith and, and it's a pretty cheap leap of faith though. So that's what I would say. All right, let's do some emails today, Mark. I want to clean out the inbox. This is, let me just make sure I don't say that the name if they tell me not to. If you don't want me to say your name, put it right at the top of the email so I don't go through the whole email, talk about your name, and then you say, don't mention my name. Okay, that's another little extra bit of homework for you. Okay, Rebecca writes, 
My son is finishing his second year of medical school, and my husband and I have been able to cover all of the costs for the first two years. Oh, my God. These numbers are so shocking. I just had my breath taken away. So son has two years left of medical school. The costs are about, you ready for this, Mark? $120,000 for the next two years. Hmm. Interestingly, my son inherited a trust account and it is invested in stocks. It is currently worth $164,000 and the trust doesn't have any limitations or restrictions. He could use this money as he wishes. Should he tap that money to pay his tuition and expenses outright, or should he take private student loans and leave that money to grow in the stock market? Hopefully the market will recover at some point. It is hard to put so much money in the stock market at such a young age. We wonder if he would be better off with loans and letting that money grow. If loan repayment became too cumbersome down the road, he could always use the account to pay off the loans. We're not sure what makes the most sense financially. Let's just look at this situation where you've got $164,000. My inclination is to sell the money. If you wanted to like play with it a little bit, I guess he could do one year at a time. I'm inclined to use the money and pay for the cost of education, start his life off without any debt. That said, There's one little caveat here. Depending on what kind of medicine he goes into, he could be the kind of guy who goes into a practice where or goes into public service and maybe he would be able to forgive that debt. So what do you think, Mark? Well, I would have to know that detail for sure. Uh, If that's not in the equation, then I would probably pay for medical school with his money. It'll still leave him with a little bit of money to invest and he's going into the medical field. So I think he's going to be able to build up his savings pretty quickly. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm inclined to do it. But if there is some notion around perhaps going into public service, that's the only limitation to that advice. Okay, this is from B. And the subject is one of my favorites, Mark, estate planning. I am an avid listener to your podcast and have heard you ask people about estate planning multiple times. I've taken that advice. I've started the process. That's so good. Okay, so here's the two questions. First, The attorney I'm working with recommends a revocable trust and to change the deed on my house to put it inside the trust, as well as savings and brokerage accounts instead of leaving them in my name right now. Retirement accounts would stay in my name. The beneficiaries would be listed as specific people. This sounded a little odd at first, but a few friends have done this as part of their estate planning with their attorneys. Does this sound normal to you? So it is normal. So if you are going to draft a trust, The reason why you might have that trust is that it will make the disposition of the assets that are trust assets easier. Those assets that are in a trust, they don't go through probate. So I don't know where you live, but if probate is a an issue that kind of bothers you or you think you want your heirs to get the money in a very specific way like oh i have daughter who's married to a guy i don't like the guy i want to make sure the money i leave has very specific limitations or terms a trust can be an excellent and easy document to create and it will you know cost you a few extra bucks so it just makes it easier i can tell you that because you know as i've said many times i'm in the middle of settling two estates and you know, when you have a trust, it's just easier. It really is for the person who's managing it. It doesn't mean it's easy. It's easier. Um, But if you are um, looking at a house, you can put the house in the trust. It's not a problem. It's changeable also. So, you know, it'll cost more money. That's the deal, you know, to draft that trust. Okay. Second, in addition to the trust and a pour over will, 
they will prepare a healthcare directive and a power of attorney. Is there anything else in your opinion that should be prepared for proper estate planning? No. Um, I, those are the basics. Those are the the basic documents. The only other thing I would say is that, you know, you can write a letter of your intentions also. Like, for example, let's say that you want to be cremated and you want to make sure that no one in your family kind of raises a red flag about that. Like if there are things that you know are sort of counter to your family's customs, I would make that a letter. And then the only other thing I would do is make sure that whoever you're naming as executor or trustee or successor trustee, successor executor, if you're um, married and that person, like just make sure everyone knows what the deal is. Okay. Michael writes, dear auntie Jill and cousin Mark, I like that it's um, you're the cousin, you know? You're the, you're the cool cuz. Okay. Michael writes, you both are rock stars. That's so sweet. And you provide a public service for listeners that cannot be over-exaggerated. Thank you. You and I spoke in February of 2020, right before the pandemic hit. Oh my God. My situation has evolved and I'm seeking further guidance. My spouse is about to be fired. Oh no. That translates into her entering retirement more than a year before we had planned. Hmm. We would appreciate your guidance on a few issues, including driving our savings to empty right before we die. <laughs> and Michael says, because you're so smart, we figure no, you know how long that will be. Yes, of course. I'm happy to predict your death date. Okay, here's the background. Uh, Michael's retired from active duty military, after which I then had a second full career with the federal civil service. Mm. I retired uh, from civil service at the end of 2019, and I was 62. At that time, we moved from the state where we lived into the Rocky Mountains to be close to family and because disliked where I was living. Okay. When we moved at the end of 2019, my wife's office offered to allow her to work remotely from our new location in a lower position with reduced hours, which she accepted because she is 100% committed and loyal to the office after helping the founder and his wife build the office from the ground up over a 20-year period. That's very nice of her. She currently earns about $75,000 in the reduced position. It's about to end as a new director has assumed control of the office. Okay. My two pensions, Michael's two pensions, total $100,000 per year. That amounts to $73,000 after federal and state income taxes. Michael's pre-tax thrift savings plan has $1.4 million. My wife has $625,000 in her 401k. Everything's pre-tax. By the way, Mark, little hat tip. Wish I'd started to listen to Mark preach Roth years earlier. Okay, whatever you are there. So Michael's sick, going to be 66. His wife will be 64 this year. Michael says, I will start Social Security at 70. My monthly benefit will be 4261. My wife currently plans to begin Social Security at her full retirement age, which is right before she turns 67. So that's in three years, when her monthly benefit will be 2854. We own our house and there's no mortgage. It's worth $1.7 million. We've got no debt. My pensions almost cover all of our living expenses, including property taxes and insurance. My wife's salary primarily has been spent on traveling and buying some things that we could never really afford until we were in our 50s. We have a $50,000 emergency fund. My wife has a personal account of $22,000 for whatever she wants that she will use to bridge the gap until she begins social security. Okay. 
So obviously they plan to beef up a lot of their savings, but this thing changes the, the calculation. Question. How much should we withdraw from our 401ks during the next four and a half years while waiting for Social Security to kick in? Ideally, we'd like to retain the same income after my wife is let go as we have now, and if if that's advisable to you. Okay, so let's just see. So let me just see. He's got his 100 grand of Social Security, and she's got 75. They're solidly in 22%. So I would say take out as much money as you will keep you in your 22% tax bracket, and that's it. And you're fine. That's absolutely fine. So if she makes 75 and she lost her job tomorrow, just remove the amount of money from the retirement account that would get you up to a total taxable income of 190 grand. And then you stay in the 22% tax bracket. And that's what I would do. So if it's more money than you actually need to take out, it doesn't matter. I would just use whatever you take out, whatever surplus up to that 190 a year of total income, your pensions, her salary, then her withdrawal from retirement accounts, your retirement accounts, doesn't matter. And I would do that every year until you start Social Security. And that will actually help you do two things, live as you live and pad your emergency savings. Okay. Now he says, his sense is that thrift savings plan is slightly better than his wife's retirement account of Fidelity. Um, should they withdraw from his wife's savings first? Does it matter? She's more of an emotional saver and prefers her account not be depleted before we get, just use your account. Don't worry about it. Fidelity's fine. It's okay. And for your emergency savings, yes, have some in high yield savings. And that is usually um, not a brick and mortar account. It would probably be something through depositaccounts.com. I, I don't know if you don't really necessarily, you could do a, a little bit, you can pop some money in I-bonds. I don't think it's necessary, actually. I think that rates are pretty high right now. Okay. Now, next, once I'm on social security, what should we withdraw each year? It's not a question of what we need, but how much we can have. So I think that I would be careful because you know, what is happening in this situation is we're trying to get money out of the plan, right? Slowly but surely. But you rightly point out that you are now venturing into IRMA category. Now, what is IRMA? Everybody, this is income-related monthly adjustment amount. This is what I was talking about with Mark Miller a couple of weeks ago, which is when you make over a certain amount of money, you have to pay a surcharge for your Medicare. So in your case, here's the thing that you're trying to figure out. I'm going to have to pay surcharges, let's say if you're doing up to, say, 190-ish, right, 190,000-ish, you know, you would have, uh, let me just look at this, married filing jointly. This is, might be, this is your key. This is where you do it. Uh, $194,000 or less of total income and you have no IRMA surcharge. So I think that that's probably what we're thinking about, that you would take out up to 194 and leave it at that, maybe call it 190. And I think that's it. I like that he says, this is how he ends it. Ideally, we would leave a nickel on the table with our last breaths. But of course, we don't want to run out of money until then. I think that first of all, if you, it doesn't sound like you have kids, which is, you know, or if you do have kids, I love that you have that, that thought. Mom, don't do that. Mom, I want you to save all of your money for us. But I think that if you are 
really worried about like, you know, how do you make sense of all the money that's going to be coming in? I think it's like the 190 and you stick to that or whatever the tax bracket is. But look at the top of the 22% tax bracket. Look at where you avoid paying IRMA, which is right now, again, $194,000 or less if you're married filing jointly. And if you stick to that and you do it slowly but surely, I think you're in good shape. Okay, so that is, well, I'm sorry, that was a longie, um, but anyway, it was fun. And we're, we're so happy for you guys. We're so happy that you send us these great emails. And um, thank you so much for listening in today. Remember, everything lives on our website, jillonmoney.com. You can click the contact us button, come join us on the air. You can subscribe to this podcast wherever you find your podcast. But more importantly, you should look at all the great stuff that's on our website, jillonmoney.com. Leave us a rating and review on Apple. That still helps too. Put your hands metaphorically on someone's back. Change your work, change your wealth, change your life. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.